Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. Of you who are new today, or maybe you're just beginning at Calvary, my name is Pastor Josh. I am the associate pastor right here at Calvary Christian Center, and uh, I don't know about you, but I came today to hear God speak something. I, I I came because I need a word from heaven. Come on, somebody, how many needs a word from heaven? You need to hear the voice of God in your life in a significant way. And uh, I came to preach a little bit. I want to yell in your ear what He's been whispering in mine, and uh, I believe God has something to say. I feel very prophetic today. I feel very prophetic. I believe God has something, not only that he wants to say, but he wants you to hear. Come on, somebody. How many know there's a difference between listening and hearing? God has a word not just for you to listen to, for you to hear, because you can't apply what you don't hear. Come on, somebody. And so I believe God has something he wants to say. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. I believe I have something God wants to speak down in your spirit. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, chapter 4. And when you got it, say Amen. Us preachers here at Calvary, we like it when you say amen to us. We, we, we like it when you say amen. Not because a, amen's not churchy, y'all. It's not a churchy thing. Amen is your agreement with God's word. Oh. Because whatever you converse about, you create a seat for. That means all week long, you can be having all the wrong conversations about all the wrong things and have all the wrong things come sit down in your life. But aren't you thankful that God will bring you in here on a Sunday morning and let you have all the right conversations about all the right things so that all the right things can come sit down in your life? Because if you got an amen in your mouth, you can get healed before an altar call. Touched before an altar call. So if you believe it this morning, somebody say amen. Ah, 2 Kings 4, I feel like preaching a little bit. 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verse 8, 8 through 17 is my text today. Prophetic, prophetic in your ear this morning. This is what the word of the Lord would say. Now it happened that one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a great or notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was that as often as he passed by, he would turn there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put, let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so that it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he laid down. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to, and she, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have, been, you have been so concerned for us with all of this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell amongst my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered and said, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. So he said, call her. I like that. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this time, hallelujah, next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. I love it. But the woman conceived. 
and she had a son at the appointed time of which Elisha had told her. I want to preach for just a moment. Prophetically, I believe that as we cross over in even a Jewish New Year and God brings us into new seasons, that God is going to make the end of this year greater than the sum total of this year so far. But God said for the things he's about to bring into your life, God said there is one prerequisite, a prophetic prerequisite. God said you have to make room. So if you're looking for a title for my message today, I heard the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, make room. Make room for every dream, for every God promise. Make room for everything God has prepared. Make room, make room, make room. And if you're ready to slip into this anointing with me, slip up your hands, Father. I thank you for what I feel. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is speaking and talking and teaching us today. God, open up your mouth wide. Speak down in this room, God, until everything shifts and change forever. Let faith arise, Lord, and let our ears be sensitive, Lord, to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. amen. You can be seated as you're seated. Look at somebody say, make room, make room, make room, make room, make room, make room. Oh, I feel that in my spirit. Make room, make room, make room, make room. It would be impossible today for me to preach the text that I have brought before you without coming with the true power of the text that precedes it. For me to really paint the picture of the power of the text that I talked to you about and read to you, I first must touch the text that precedes it because inside of the text that comes before the text I read, we have a direct contrast between two women in two different places in their life. The women, the woman that I read to you is a woman of great means. She's got it going on. Everything is well. However, in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, there is another woman who life is not going as well for. Because the first real thing this text wants to teach us is that God is the kind of God that can meet you wherever you are. Oh, I wish I had some real people. Because there is some seasons if you do faith long enough, and if you do faith right, there will be some seasons you're up, and there will be some seasons that you're down. There will be some seasons you have joy, and there will be some seasons filled with anxiety. There will be some seasons where you're paralyzed by fear, and some seasons where you have nothing but peace. But I wonder if there's anybody that can testify for just a moment that no matter whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop, God is still God. Oh, you're too quiet on Big Calvary. I said, I wonder if there's anybody that could testify to the fact uh, that even when you were on the mountaintop, he was God. And even though you were in the valley, he was still God. That even when things were great, uh, he was still just as powerful as even when things were going wrong. Because how many know that, yea, uh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I will fear no evil because I know that even though things around me might change, uh, the God I serve does not change. Uh, he is the same yesterday. Come on, somebody. Today and forevermore. I wonder if there's anybody that could praise him, huh? that no matter where you are, you know he can still be God right there where you are. We have reduced, we have reduced, we have reduced the anointing of God. We have reduced the anointing of God down to simple things. We have reduced the anointing of God down to what we feel and down to what we know instead of understanding that a real anointing from God, when it shows up in your life, a real anointing will break the yoke. Oh, come on, somebody. I said a real anointing will break the yoke in your life. This woman, this woman who is down, before we, before we come into the woman that is up, please know she is in strange duress. Yeah. 
She is in odd situations. She's in a stressful place. Have you ever been in a stressful place? Oh, I wish I had some real people. Have you ever been hit by something so severe in your life uh, that you didn't have a reference point for it, that something came into your life, and by the time it got doing what it did, it nearly took everything out of you that you thought you had? Have you ever gone through something so severe that when it hits your life, it nearly knocked out of you everything that God had previously put in you? Come on, talk to me in this room. Yet this woman who has, watch this, strange duress and tough circumstances and crazy crisis, yet she is still visited by a man of God, which lets me know that one encounter with God Oh, hallelujah. One encounter with God, one encounter with a man of God can still make a difference in your life. Come on, talk to me in this room. I said one encounter with a real man of God can make a difference in your life. And before you say, what, Pastor Josh, a man of God, please understand, it's not the man of God, it's the God in the man that makes the difference. I said it's the God and the man that makes the difference. That's why the real anointing is what we're really after. Because a real anointing won't just tickle your ears. The real anointing won't just inspire you. When the real anointing comes in, it will break the yoke off of your life once and for all. And you can always tell the difference between the real anointing and a gift by what it does to the yoke. Do you want to leave inspired or do you want to leave transformed? Do, 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 you want to leave, do you want to leave with your ears being tickled or do you want to leave free, completely free by what the Word of God is able to do? This woman has gone through such trauma, such crisis that she is visited by a man of God. But when the man of God shows up and the God in the man shows up, he brings nothing to the house. Watch this. Save a highlighter. And I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor Josh, where is that in the text? Because, because he brings nothing tangible to give her. Because sometimes when God gets ready to answer you, his answers don't look like the way you thought they would. Sometimes when God answers you, he answers you in ways that you weren't prepared for, ways that are above your ways, uh, with thoughts that are above your thoughts. Uh, and sometimes when a real man of God shows up, it's not coming to give you something, it's coming to show you something. Real prophetic ministry doesn't come to bless you, it comes to reveal something to you that you already possess and have not used. Come on, somebody. Real prophetic ministry walks into your life to show you that there are still some things deep down on the inside of you that you have not discovered and that God wants to use. Because God will always use the things you already possess. Some of the greatest blessings and answers are always within your reach. How do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because God will always use things like a jawbone of a donkey. He'll, he'll use five loaves and two fishes. He'll, he'll use six jars of water to do a miracle at a wedding. He'll use a small handful of meal. God always uses the small things and the ordinary things. And that's why God comes, a man of God comes, the prophetic comes with a flashlight to show you that there is something within your reach that you have not seen yet. But if you'll see it like you should see it, you'll realize that though it may be small, God can do something big. Come on, somebody. 
I said, God can use small things, insignificant things. God can use common things. It doesn't matter what it is. God, if he gets into it, even though it may be small, by the time God gets done with it, it will be big enough to handle and do the job. That's why you can't treat anything in your life as ordinary or common. It doesn't matter what people said about you. It doesn't matter where you think you should be and aren't there yet. If God would ever speak over your life and touch you in a significant way, God will take the little things of your life and turn them into the things that the world needs. Am I helping anybody? God is the kind of God that does not overlook the ordinary. He does not overlook the common. And I know what some of you in this room are saying, Pastor Josh, I'm not that gifted. I'm not that anointed. I haven't had that much favor. I've had a lot of issues. But let me tell you, if you have any at all, Uh, I said it's not how much you have. It's if you have any at all. Any is enough. Oh, hallelujah. Any is enough for God to do the job in your life. And every once in a while, you have to take inventory of the things God highlights. Because the truth is, in this room, when God gets ready to bring forth great harvest in your life, it always starts with a seed. That's why in the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, the Bible declares that the seed was inside itself. God is banking on the fact that before you exit this earth, that you take personal inventory to see what's deep down on the inside of you, what gifts haven't you used yet, what things haven't you seen yet. Because if you can recognize the seed, it won't be, it won't be long before God sends the rain. Oh, hallelujah. It won't be long before God sends the rain. God knows just the right time to water what he's planted on the inside of you. And if God ever decides to water what he put on the inside of you, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, you will rise. You will rise no matter your background, no matter your age, no matter where you came from, no matter who your daddy is, no matter what your mama didn't give you, no matter what your grandparents were, you'll rise. You'll rise in the middle of a pandemic. You'll rise in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of pain, in the middle of unemployment, in the middle of crazy kids and crazy marriages. You'll still rise because when God opens up the windows of heaven and pours his spirit out on the seed on the inside of you, you have no choice but to rise and God is no respecter of persons because yes God wants to pour his spirit out on this generation but let me tell some older folks I didn't say this in first service I feel that let me tell some older folks in this room who you feel like it's done and you feel like your best days are behind you maybe the devil is a liar I believe there's still some stuff deep down on the inside of you that God is aching to use She is a woman who has had everything knocked from her, taken from her. She's about to lose it all. But God brings the man of God to bring a revelation of what she already had and wasn't using. In other words, perhaps this next answer is not coming to you. It's already within you. But ladies and gentlemen, She is not my text this morning. She is everything I need to make my text profound. Because I had to bring the first woman into context so that you could see the contrast between that woman and the woman of the text I read. Because when God gets ready to do something great, he is a master artist that knows how to use contrast. 
Am I helping anybody in the room? When God gets ready to reveal something great, God, the master artist, does it through contrast. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor Josh, you talking about artistry and art and all that stuff. Aren't you a sports guy? I am. Amen. Pastor Josh is a sports guy. I'm a six-foot-five sports guy. I like the KJV, the NKJV, the ESV, and the ESPN. Come on, somebody. I like it all. I'm glad sports are back, baby. I'm glad sports are back. But, but, but let me tell you this. I learned a long time ago you can't lead beyond your learning. You can't take people where you've never been. And I started to dive into this world of art because I had to understand how God really works. And when God, the master artist, paints any great picture, when he does it, he uses great deal of contrast. Because if you have a great deal of contrast, you will always have a great deal of clarity. And that's why some of us, when we got saved, life went crazy. Can I do it? That's why when some of us got saved, life went absolutely bananas. Why did it go bananas? Because God was putting things in order. Because sometimes the chaos you feel in your life as a believer is God taking things that shouldn't be in certain places and putting them in places they should have been all along. Why? So that he can create contrast. Because without the contrast, you'll never have clarity about who you are and what you're called to do and what you possess. That's why in Genesis, he speaks to the world, and the first thing he does is start moving stuff. That goes here, and that goes there. Why? Contrast. Because without it, you can have no clarity. Perhaps you're not clear because your life is still too muddy. Perhaps you're not clear enough about what you're called to do because there's still too much mixture in your life. You do know the highest point of contrast in theology is a little thing we call sanctification. Sanctification is separation from, and I know you don't hear it much anymore, and I know we don't preach about it, but God is still a God that requires a people who are sanctified. Sanctification set apart. We are not like the world we're in. We are not a subculture. We are a counterculture because we are a kingdom culture. He is looking for sanctification because long before he lets anointing flow, he has to see the kind of separation that allows the anointing to do what the anointing was sent to do. Am I helping anybody in the room? He needs separation. He needs to see, is there still too much? Because if there's mixture, please know God will not pour the oil on chaos. Mixture, what are you talking about, Pastor Josh? Mixture, too much of this and not enough of that. Mixture, things of the world and things of the spirit. Come on, somebody. Things of the flesh and things of the spirit. Carnality and spirituality. At some point in time as believers, we've got to be cool with not fitting in. We got to be cool with not being like the people we are in the world. And come on, y'all, talk to me. I know it's not popular preaching, but it's truth preaching. You got to be okay that we're not going to fit in at every place. And we're not going to fit in with every group. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be the kind of people that have come out from among them. And we are separate, not unto ourselves, but we are separate unto God. I wonder what anointing is not getting to us for our lack of separation. 
This text is a text of absolute contrast, not comparison, contrast. Why? For the sake of clarity, to show you how God would work for two different women in two different places. Because unlike the first woman who's in strange arrest, the text I read to you and the woman I bring before you, she's living good. She's living great. Everything is good. She looks in the pantry. She's got food. She's looking around the house. She's got furniture. Things are well with her family. Things are good in her life. Oh, so good that the Bible says that she lives in Shunem. Can I be deep for just a moment? Shunem means uneven. She is not just a great woman. She is a woman with an advantage. She has an advantage. And my first question I want to bring to you today is, uh, have you taken advantage of your advantage? You do know you have an advantage as a believer. You, you do know that there are certain things you can do that people that are not connected to God you do know that there are some things you can ask for that other people can't ask for. You do know, I feel like preaching now, you do know that there's a name that you can call on that's greater than any other name that anybody else could ever call on. You do know you have an advantage. Well, what's the advantage, Pastor Josh? J-E-S-U-S. -S, the son of the living God. He said that he would give us a name, and that name would be a name that was above uneven uh, above every other name uh, that when we use the name of Jesus uh, demons have to flee diseases have to go why because we have the advantage oh I wish I had about a hundred people who wouldn't be shy today about your advantage and would say I know I got an advantage uh, I know I got a relationship uh, with an advantage uh, that takes me into things and gives me the blessings I need to step into my destiny and purpose I got an advantage. Just look at somebody and say, I got an advantage. I got an advantage over cancer. I got an advantage over disease. I got an advantage over divorce. I got an advantage. I got an advantage over rebellion. I got an advantage over issues and circumstances. I got the advantage. Which makes me ask the question, why are you losing if you've got the advantage? How are you losing if you've got the advantage? You do know, oh, I'm getting into kingdom stuff now. You do know that God gave you dominion. Dominion. He gave you the ability to rule on this earth uh, as he rules in heavenly places. You do know you're not to be ruled by anything, but you're supposed to rule over everything that comes into your life. Uh, you are designed to rule, and if you rule right, you'll reign right. She is a woman who has an advantage. She is from Shunem, but the text goes deeper and says that this Shunemite woman is indeed a great woman. Oh, I love it. I love it. She is a great woman. She is a woman who they prescribe as great, great woman. Uh, and when I read it, it shocked me, Natasha. It shocked me that she is a great woman. Why? Because this is Bible time, John, not 2020. Women were not given the same treatment as they are in the day in the culture that we are in. In Hebrew culture, women weren't named and known like this. But the Bible says she is a great woman. She is great despite society. She is great despite circumstances because what the Holy Spirit wanted you to know is you are great despite where you've come from. 
and what you've been through and the things that you faced because your greatness is not determined by circumstance. Your greatness is determined by your identity. And the reason you're great is because God is great. Come on, somebody. I said the reason why you're great is because God is great. And how many know in this room that you don't serve some little God and some mere God, but you serve a great God? And the day you know you serve a great God, you'll stop walking around with your head down and you'll come into every situation knowing that if God is great and I came from God, then I must be great. I came to tell somebody you're great. You're great despite. You're great against the odds. You're great. Why? Because your first breath didn't start on this earth. Let me tell you why you're really great. It's because you didn't start off on the earth. I know that some of us think that our origin is the first breath we took at a hospital coming from our mother's womb. But please know that long before you ever person in the earth, you were a purpose in God. Is this too deep this morning? Please know that long before you took your first breath here, you were already in him in eternity. And when God looked down and saw the greatness that he needed in the earth and the greatness that you were in him, he yanked you out of himself and looked at time and said, now's the perfect time. And when you came into this earth, before anything hit your life, before circumstances hit you, before they talked about you, before they messed with you, God had already declared that you are great. You want to know why you can do what you do? You can do it because you're great. Come on, somebody. You, you want to know why you need to go ahead and start fulfilling the purpose of God in your life? Because you're already great. Don't wait. Don't hold back. Don't sit back. Don't be passive. Why? Because God wants me to let you know you are already the man and the woman for the job that he has destined for you to be. It's time to do it because you're going to be great. She is a great woman. She is a woman of means. She's got it going on. She lives in Shunem. She has the advantage. However, this woman does what the first woman does, and she takes inventory. However, this woman is different because she is not afraid to step back and say that she's missing something. Have you ever looked at your life and realized that no matter how many church services you've gone to, no matter how many groups you're in, you still look and you get that nagging feeling that something's missing. Have you, ever, have you ever reached one pinnacle in God only to go pray the next day and realize that God still has more? Have you ever been in the place in your life where you saw one season of great victory only to step into the next season where you realize that there's still something left to attain? There's still something left to achieve. There's still something left to have in God. This great woman is so different because she looks around the house and says, I have a lot, but I don't have everything yet. And when you have that kind of desperation, it will produce great hunger in your life. It will produce great hunger to the point where coming to church is not just something you do on Sundays. It's an opportunity for you to get, oh hallelujah, the things in God that your soul so desperately wants. It's an opportunity for you to glean some things in the spirit that you so desperately need so that it's not about seeing power. It's about becoming empowered to get what God has prepared and promised. Am I helping you today? She says, I... 
am a great woman, but I am missing something. And when you miss something and it creates the longing, all of a sudden that kind of attitude creates an awareness for things that had been there all along that you had not seen. Because this woman, in the same moment she realizes that she's lacking, this same woman turns around and realizes that as she has been wanting, that a great man of God has been continually passing. Oh, hallelujah. What is it about? What is it about God that when we start getting real hungry, we start to get aware of his presence in our life in a tangible and powerful way? He had been passing by, but she didn't become aware of his passing until she got desperate enough. Hmm. Let me stop right there and preach because I have to thank him that even when I didn't recognize him, he didn't stop him from passing by. Oh, hallelujah. It, it didn't stop him from continuing to keep coming and keep coming and keep passing and keep showing up. That's the grace and the mercy of God is that in every season that I missed him and I didn't see him and I didn't recognize him, he kept coming. And he kept coming. And he kept saying, when you're ready, I'm ready. I'll keep passing by until you recognize what I want to do. And aren't you thankful that when people would have walked away and people would have ran away, God kept passing by. Even this morning, that's why you're here in this service. Because God is passing by. And the moment you recognize that he's passing by, please know he's about to turn in. And we're all, when God gets ready to turn in, he's going to get involved in every area of your life that you need him the most. I dare somebody to take about 15 seconds and let your awareness produce the kind of worship that says, God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. She said, he keeps passing by. And the text says that when she became aware that he was passing by in the middle of her need, the text says that she moved into the power of persuasion. Oh, yes, she did. She moved into the power of persuasion. The text says that she persuaded him to come in. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you Bible folks, theology folks, you're saying, now, Pastor Josh, are you trying to say that God can be persuaded? I'm trying to say yes. I know he's sovereign, and I know he's omniscient, and I know he's omnipotent. I know he's all those things, but God can be persuaded. You want Bible? Go into the New Testament and look at a Syrophoenician woman who comes up the coast outside of the covenant, comes to Jesus, and she says, will you heal my daughter? And Jesus looks, right at, looks at her right in the eye and says, no. Oh, it's in your Bible. He said, healing is the children's bread. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. This is not for you. I didn't come to do this. And right when she heard him say that, she dropped to her knees. Oh, hallelujah. And she just started praising him. And she just started worshiping. And she just started saying, you're worthy. She just started saying, you're awesome. And right in the middle of praise, she didn't realize that praise is a form of persuasion in the kingdom of God. That if you learn how to praise him and learn how to worship him, it is the praise and worship that gets him looking, oh come on somebody, at your direction, gets him moving on your behalf. I dare somebody to take about 15 seconds and give God some praise to let him know whatever you want to do, I'm ready. And I'm not just ready, I'm ready right now. 
Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. I'm ready, God. I'm ready, God. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour. I'm ready right here, right now. Do it in my life, Jesus. She said, I want to persuade him. I have to persuade him. I have to use my worship to persuade him. I have to tell him now's the time. I have to give him permission to do it right here. Your persuasion is your permission for God to do what he's been trying to do the entire time. Oh, are you getting this this morning? She persuaded him. Watch this. Not just to come eat, come in, but to come eat. Because she understood that every moment with God is a feeding and eating moment. Every moment in his presence is nothing more, nothing less than feeding and eating. Because right now, even while I'm preaching, the truth is, this moment is God feeding and you eating. But that 45 minutes we spend in worship, lift your hands, sing the song, jump and dance, praise and shout, you have to understand that wasn't just because that was worship. That wasn't just because it was a set list and a song list and exhortation. That was an opportunity. An opportunity for what? For you to feed and for him to eat. Oh, come on, somebody. And I wonder today who got the better meal. I wonder today who ate better. Are you eating better than what God ate today? Did God get the kind of worship from you that would have blessed his heart and fed his spirit? You do know that God calls sacrificial praise fruit, which means it does more than please God. It feeds God. That's why in this room you can't come in here and wait just for the word. you got to do your part because I promise you this. If you'll feed him... He will feed you. And oh, not only will he feed you, he'll feed you better than what you fed him. God will feed you pressed down, shaking together, running over. And I wonder if there's anybody that can take uh, just a few moments uh, and feed him what you didn't feed him during worship. Oh, come on, somebody, feed him. Uh, this ain't about a preacher. This ain't about a pastor. This ain't about a sermon. This is about you. You feeding God and God feeding you. You do know you can't outfeed God. Because if you could outfeed God, that would make you God. So what God looks for is some people that will feed him. And on the level you feed him, you always eat better. That's why at Calvary, we worship a little bit radically. We worship a little bit crazy. Some people lay on the floor. Some people jump up and down. Some people run the aisles. And I don't blame them because if I came in hungry for some stuff in God, if I came in needing God to do some great things in my life, I wouldn't care, oh, hallelujah, what people thought about me and the opinions of man. I'd lose my mind too so that God would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. She persuades him to eat, and there they are, feeding and eating, eating and feeding. They're having communion. Because that's what communion is. It's the feeding and eating between God and you. You giving him you and 
him giving himself back to you. It's communion. And my second question is, when was the last time you took real communion? When's the last time you took communion outside of church? Oh, it's quiet. When's the last time that it was just you and Jesus in the car? And you didn't have bread and you didn't have the little bit of juice, but you still took communion. When's the last time you ran down to your bedroom and shut the door and you locked it and you said, I'm going to stay in here until you get all of me and I get all of you. We're going to have communion. When's the last time, mom and daddy, that you made up your mind, that you said, kids, turn the devices off, uh, turn your phones off, get in here in the living room, and we're going to have communion. Uh, we're going to spend some time. You know, that's why I'm excited about this new kids building because it's more than a kids building. It's going to be a hub of communion, where five-year-olds get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where seven-year-olds learn how to lay their hands on the sick and see them recover, where nine-year-olds learn how to prophesy and all oh, see what they said be established. It's going to be a place where 11-year-olds get called to ministry and everything shifts in their life. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. She is having communion. And watch this. I'm done. It works for a while. It works, the feeding and the eating. But everybody knows that even the best of romances, if you never do anything greater, even the best of romances can go stale. Even the greatest of loves can go cold if not tended with the right fire. And sometimes, if you don't tend the fire, the romance between you and God, if you're not careful, it'll go stale. If you're not careful, what's your use to cry about? Worship over will become nothing more than the third song of a set. The preaching that you couldn't wait to get in and take notes and apply it to your life become nothing more than another word on another Sunday and the romance will go cold. And she said, I appreciated this communion, but I realized that if I want to go to another level, I'm going to have to take it to another level. Well, if I want to take it to another level, what do I got to learn how to do? Make room. She said, we've been eating and communing on this level. But for what I want to see God do, I got to take it to another level. Take my love to another level. Take my romance with God to another level. Take my intimacy with God to the next place. I've got to learn how to make room. Because if you keep doing the same thing the same way for so long, You'll find yourself stuck in the same place, saying the same thing, and wanting more. But I heard the Lord say to prophetically tell you that he's about to do some things. That he is not finished with you, your life, and the promises he has prepared. God said, if you've got that nagging feeling that I'm not finished, I feel like I'm talking to somebody. 
if there's something deep down on the inside of you that says there's still a dream and there's still a promise that I haven't seen yet. And there's still some things that you've spoken, God, that I have not come into possession of. God, if you feel that way, God is saying it's time to make room. She said, she said for this thing to go to the next level, come, let us make room. Come, let us. Can I do it and be done? Come, let us. Let us. In other words, for what God is about to do, you can't do it by yourself. For what God is about to do, you can't be a lone ranger for Jesus. Come, let us. If you want to do small things, do them by yourself. But if you want to do big things, you got to do them with somebody. That's why small groups matter. That's why community matters and connections matter and relationships matter. Why? Because if we can do it together, we can do it big for the kingdom. Come, let us. Let us you do realize that even when God got ready to make his apex creation, he didn't say, let me make man. He said, let us make man in our image. Let us, let us make, let us make, 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 meaning that some things in this process of you seeing the hand of God, the promises of God, God's not going to do because it's your responsibility. You're going to have to learn how to partner with God, cooperate with the purposes of God, and say, God, if you said it, let me do my part so I can see it. Come, let us make room. And she made a room. She made a room out of a wall. Because sometimes with the right perception, walls are really rooms that God is aching to fill. Can I finish it like I feel it? I feel the anointing. She said, let me make a room. And the truth is, anytime you get ready to make room, making room feels messy. Because demolition often precedes construction. And getting all the stuff out that didn't need to be there is tough sometimes. But perhaps the worser thing is not just the making room, it's not the demolition. It's the emptiness and the vacancy that's there once you've gone through the demolition. Eight years. Do you know what it's like to make room for something that you haven't seen yet? Eight years. We made room for something. In our hearts, in our spirits, in our lives, physically and spiritually, we kept making room. Do you know how hard it is to make room for something in your life? And yet every time you go to check on it, nothing is in the room. Maybe I'm not talking to the right audience today. But, but I believe there's some people in this room that God spoke some things. He, he gave you some promises. He said some things would come to pass. And you did your part. But every time you go to check on what God promised you, you're met with frustration and disappointment. Because when you look in the room, the room's still empty. And sometimes the struggle is, can you survive the empty days? Can you survive the days of when you check the room and everything God said still isn't there? Can you keep coming back by faith and saying, God, if you said it, I'll believe it. If you said it, I'll believe it. But there are some of us, if truth were to be told, we're a lot like this Shunammite woman. We've made room for something we haven't seen. And because it's been so long, 
we have given up on what God said. I feel the anointing. This is a different anointing than the first service. We have given up on what God promised us. We said, never be. He says, woman of God, what can I do for you? She is so convinced that it's not for her that she says, I'm good. I'm paraphrasing. I'm good. I'm good. Because you can get to a place where you've been without it for so long that you no longer believe that it's for you. It would have been much easier for us after eight years to simply say, maybe kids aren't for us. Maybe it's not part of what God has prepared. Maybe it's not in God's plan. But if you have any type of faith at all, if you have any type of trust at all, something about faith will keep you believing despite what you're not seeing. And there are some of you, I feel the anointing. You walked in this room today depleted, resigned to the fact that God may never do it. But the Lord told me to tell you, make room. Make room. Why? Because God responds to space. God responds to empty. God can't manifest what there is no room for. God always waits for the space before there's the manifestation. And perhaps in this season, in this moment, God is giving you a prophetic prerequisite that the promise is prepared. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. I'm done. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. The promise is done. The things that are prepared are complete. But God is asking you, will you make room? Uh, will you make room? Will you make room? She made room was resigned to perhaps it never happening. He said, is it going to happen? What you want? She said, I'm good. Gehazi stepped up and said, well, wait a second, it's not good. Gehazi said, she has everything, Natasha, except the baby. In that moment, I realized Gehazi is a picture of the Holy Spirit. For when we know not what to pray, the Spirit of God prays through us. The mind and the perfect will of the Father above. That's why we pray in the Spirit because there are sometimes you don't have words. There are sometimes you've prayed enough, you don't have anything else left to say. Gehazi said, she won't tell you, but I will. And the Holy Ghost is the same for you as a believer. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you may not be able to say it, but just when you can't say it, comes up out of your spirit, and the Spirit of God says, she can't say it, he can't say it, but I'll say it for them. I know what they have need of. I know what's in their heart. And he said, now that I really know what's going on, bring her to the room. And he brought her to the room. This is it. He brought her to the room and said, woman of God, what do you need? Gehazi said, she needs a son. He said, now you have a choice. Will you step in or will you stay out? Because faith always brings you to the door. It will not walk you in. It will always bring you to. It is your choice whether you move from the unseen to the seen, from the invisible to the visible. And she crossed over. And when she crossed over, watch what he said. This is it. He, said, he stopped everything said, Gehazi, she's in the room. What time is it? What day is it? September 20th. 2020. Good. Because, because, because by this time next year, 
Oh, y'all didn't hear me by the Spirit. Because by this time next year, you won't just conceive it. You're about to birth it in your life. Woman of God, you thought you were making room for me. But what if I told you the room you made for me was really a room for the promise of God in your life? And I wonder as I shut this thing down, if there's anybody in the room that would say, Pastor Josh, I got some promises. I've got some things in my life that I need to seek God do. And I'm willing and I'm ready to make room. Jump up on your feet. Lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and somebody begin to make room, make room, make room, make room. Lift up your hands, make room. Come on, lift up your hands. About this time, next year, making room, making room, making room, making room. Preachers step up with confidence and we say some things boldly because we know it to be true in the spirit and the Lord told me to tell you that by September 20th 2021 this ain't for everybody this is going to hit people in the, in the spirit differently that by September 20th 2021 you're going to not just conceive God's dreams and promises God says you are going to begin to birth the very promises God has put in your heart and your spirit. So here's what the Lord told me to do. God said he has placed some dreams in you. He's placed some desires in you. And God said prophetically on this day, on this day, God said he's, he's going to start the process. But you are going to have to make room. Shoo. I feel it hitting some people right there. I don't know what promise God gave you that you haven't seen, but I dare you to slip up your hands right now, close your eyes, and I dare you to reach down. I know it might be painful. I know it might not be the easiest thing, but I dare you just to reach down for a moment and grab that old dream, grab that old God promise, and simply say, God, if you said it, I still believe it, and I'm going to make room. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to open up your mouth and begin to talk to God about the business, talk to God about the things in the family, talk to God about the dreams in your heart. I hear the Lord saying, he's about to do this in the body of Christ. We got to make room, make room for a move of the Spirit, make room to occupy different territories. Lift up your hands. You got 30 seconds. Uh, come on, worship team. Open up your mouth. Uh, somebody say.
Pastor Christian, come here for a second. Just lift up your hands. I have been walking by you all service, and the whole time I've been walking by you, every time I walk by you, my spirit jumps. God said in this season, there is, baby, there is a baby that you have been making room for in the natural. But there is some things in your spirit that God said you've not told a single soul on your pillow at night. You've been dreaming, dreaming them out. And God wants me to tell you today that in 2020, you've got to make room, son. You've got to make room. God said everything you're hearing is right. Everything you're hearing is yes and amen. Everything you're hearing is the plan of God for your life. Come on, somebody lift your hands. I'm telling you, I feel an anointing. I feel anointing. I feel a burning in this room. I feel a burning. I know, I know we've gone over. I know we've gone over, but I feel an anointing. If you're in this room and there is a promise of God in your life that has not come to pass, and it's been a long time, it's been a long time, and you know there's some things that you've just pushed away, and you say, God, I still believe you. Run to this altar real quick. Hurry up. Run to this altar. you got a God dream. Hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm going to do this real quick. I've just got to obey the Lord. i got to obey the Lord for a second. got to obey him. i got to obey him. i got to obey him. I felt it all service long. and make room, make room, make room, make room, make room. Real soft for just a second. Can I be very transparent? At the beginning of the message, I stood up to preach, and I heard the Lord say to do it now. And because of COVID and the pandemic and stuff, sometimes you just get funky with it. But God said he knew exactly where you were. He brought you here this morning. He brought you here pain and all, hurts and all, wounds and all, fear and all, disappointment and all. And God said, make room. <sighs> make room. Come on, lift your hands. Make room. I feel him in this place. Make room, make room, make room, make room, make room, make room. Come on, lift your hands all across the room. Make room, make room. It's still yes and amen. It's still yes and amen. It's still yes and amen. What he promised you, you will see. 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 Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
joy comes in the morning. Come on, Calvary staff, help me pray. There's the anointing. Now. Don't get quick. I understand if you got to leave, you got to leave. But don't get quick. Listen, it's been six, seven months since moments like this because of a virus. The devil is a liar. I know we got to use wisdom. I know all that. But there is an anointing that breaks the yoke. such an anointing. Here's how we're going to finish this thing. Here's how we're going to finish this thing. You've been, some of you have been so afraid to say it, so afraid to talk about what God promised. It's time to use your words to make room. So these last 60 seconds, I want you to talk to God about that dream again, that promise again. And God told me he's going to speak back. Strategies that as you make room, by this time next year, hear me by the Holy Ghost, by this time next year, conceive. Are you ready? I'm telling you, he's here. 
Lift your hands. Take 30 seconds. And all across this room, come on, just begin to open up your mouth. Come on, talk to him again. Talk to him again. Talk to him again. Talk to him again. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Do it without any fear this time. Do it without any anxiety. Businesses. Things you got to start. Things you've been waiting on. Natasha, will you come here for just a second? Come on, talk to him about it. another couple seconds I have felt this all day long this moment right here I feel such such a heavy weighty presence of God I'm going to do something super radical thank you Lord for confirmation I know y'all just heard that baby but I was sitting up here waiting in my spirit what I felt like the Holy Spirit was wanting to do. For the women that are in this room that want children, naturally. And for whatever reason, you can't have them. You may be watching me online, you may be in this room. I'm about to join to agreement. And when I heard that baby cry, I heard the Lord say, they're going to hear that sound too. <laughs> and I know we got one. I know we got one. But I can't pray for everybody else. Not pray for us. So, Father, I pray for every woman in this room. God, we pray for every dream and I pray for every woman. That Father, though, for whatever reason has been unable to conceive and give birth, whether it be again or for the first time. And Father, I declare whether watching me online or the standing in this room, that Father, we take your word as truth. And Father, we declare children will be born in the spirit and in the natural. God. I declare it to be so by the authority of your word that by this time next year we hear the cries of children, whether it be in the spirit through our dreams and your promises or in the natural through physical children. We thank you that as we make room, you are responding to the space in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, and amen, and amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, put your hands together. Listen, if, if, if you're able, if you're able, just return to your seats for just a moment. I've, I know we've gone over time. I'm so sorry. Is that okay, everybody? You still okay? I'm so sorry. But you can't ignore God. Amen? The, the final thing we want to accomplish today and do today 
is, is this is also Rosh Hashanah. How many know Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish year? I want the ushers to get ready. Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Aren't you glad God starts his year before ours ends? Come on, how many know we can turn the page on 2020 today and be all right with it? But if you study Rosh Hashanah 5781, which is the year that we're coming into, Dimensionally, agriculturally, it's the sixth dimension, which means it's the time of blossoming. And in the tradition of Rosh Hashanah, there is a sacrifice that's made, an offering that's brought. And a lot of you over the years and even over the last few months have asked about this moment of Rosh Hashanah you love to give. And we talked about it as a staff because we're very careful about offerings. We don't want to manipulate any moment. That's not the goal. We don't get the offering. The money doesn't come to the preachers and the pastors. It's an opportunity for you to sow to see the kingdom work done. And as we were talking about it, we thought that this would be a good opportunity. And more so now than ever, I believe it was the Lord going before us. 5781 is a year to blossom and, and, and bloom. And how many of you know, if you look around Calvary, even in the midst of the pandemic, we're still blossoming. We're booming. Projects are going up. Kids' buildings are being completed. And we just believe that that's the same for you. There are some things that are about to blossom bloom for you as well. It's also 5781 and in between 5, 7 and 8, 1 is what Jewish people believe is a breath. <sighs> An amazing coronavirus took breath, but in 5781 God's going to breathe back. <sighs> so the ushers are prepared. We're not going to make anybody. It's not about forcing. It's about bringing you into an opportunity to give. You know you've given tithes and offerings, but this is a special Rosh Hashanah offering biblically in line. And so there's a number on the screen. You want, we want you to use the keyword special. You can give on your phones. You can text to give, whatever amount. But I, if I were you, we're going, we, we did it. I'm not going to miss a moment to sow into a moment like this, especially in a time like this. If you have cash and all that stuff, our ushers are going to come by and give you a chance to give. How, how many believe that we're about to step into something? You can sense that we're going to step into something great here at Calvary and in the body of Christ. Victory is on the way. Ushers, if you would come, I want to pray. And then if you want to give and sow into this moment, like so many people do every single year, we want to give you a chance to do so. Text to give online if you're watching me jump in on this. And then after we do that, I'm going to pray a blessing and we'll release you. Once again, I know we went over time. There's a part of me that wants to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. Sometimes you just got to obey God. And I'm going to stand before the Lord and give an account one day of whether I obeyed him in that moment or if I didn't. So, Father, the calendar is turning in your year. 5780 is about to become 5781. Father, Lord, you're breaking curses in this new year. Father, Lord, you're blooming. Things are blooming in this new year, and we're getting our breath back in this year. Father, I thank you, Lord, now as we come into this moment, just as they did years and years ago, Lord, the festival, bringing an offering, a sacrifice up to you, God, to say, Lord, we're invested. We want to participate. God, bless your people as they give. Lord, and let them know that it's your form and not against them. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. You can give. You can give. They sing, and I'm going to bless you on the way out.
Once you give, you can stand. Once again, thank you so much for hanging with us today. Aren't you glad you go to church where the Spirit of God can move? Father, as we leave today, I pray, God, that we would take this word, Lord, we would apply it to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, from the first song to the final amen. God, I pray, Lord, that you be for your people, God. Bless them. And, Father, as we make room, let us see your hand and testify of your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people said... We love you, Calvary, so much. God bless you from our staff to you. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you next week right here at Calvary Christian Center. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.